Welcome to 52 Weeks in the Word. I'm your host, Trillian Newbell, and with me today is author, speaker, and Bible teacher, Nancy Guthrie. I am so honored to have you on the show, my friend. Oh, I'm so grateful to be with you. You have many books on suffering, and you have hosted 44 respite retreats. You can tell the audience what a respite retreat is, but before we go there, I know that you know suffering, and as I thought about who might help us understand some of the mysteries in the book of Job, I couldn't think of a better person. Job is actually tough to read. There's probably a couple of (laughs) chapters that are quoted a lot, but most of it is is a little confusing. If if you're just reading it straight, you've got this conversation with friends and lots going on. So here's my question. We will get to the comfort we receive from reading Job, but my question is, how should we actually read the book of Job? Hmm. Good question. Well, I think one thing that we have to consider, I I mean, I I think Job was a real person, Uh, maybe not an Israelite, but Mm -hmm. someone who worshiped the one true God. And I think what Job does is it helps us to think deeply about how this life with God, as we live in a world impacted by the curse, how this life with God works and how it doesn't work. Because I think most of us in our gut, it's it's somehow a very human thing to think this way, to think, if I suffer significantly in this life, God must be punishing me for something terrible that I have done. I think anyone who has suffered probably had those has had those thoughts. You know, you, you just you suffer significantly, and just it's just immediately um, okay. I've been getting away with this for far too long, and finally, God is making me pay. Um, you know, we see this not only in Job. Don't we see this in, in John chapter 9? Remember when Jesus heals the man born blind and his disciples come? And they, what's their question? They say, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Which, I mean, to me, it just reveals an underlying assumption. You and I, the, the suffering we experience in this life, in that We're getting what we deserve. And the thing about that, Trillia, is that is a world devoid of grace. For us to get what we deserve, I mean, thank God that we don't live in a world where we have to to go through this life thinking that we're going to get what we deserve. Because let me tell you what I deserve. It's not good. I deserve far more than any suffering that I've experienced in my life. But the good news of the Bible is that we have a God of grace. And we see him at work even in the Old Testament in the book of Job. That is something that I've heard even people close to me say often. And so I'm glad that you you took it a place I actually didn't anticipate. But that is exactly right. There is a a lot of um, self-shame, doubt, guilt, 
in suffering, beating up of self-condemnation. And and I, I don't know, it's an interesting thing. I, I don't know if it's, um, well, I mean, as you've just proven, it's first century. So it's it's been around that kind of notion for for a lifetime, but it is a, so Mike, I guess my question is, how do you fight that? How do you fight the temptation to feel like you've done something wrong and you deserve this guilt, this, this, I'm sorry, deserve this suffering? Well, that, I think that's exactly why the book of Job is in the Bible. Because the big issue to Job, I find it so interesting as you work your way through all those middle chapters with all of those back and forth between him and his friends, and you get to the middle of the book of Job, like chapters 29 and 30, and and Job finally speaks out. And what's fascinating to me is Job doesn't complain to God about the death of his 10 children or the loss of all of his possessions or the loss of his physical health. What Job is concerned about is his integrity. He's he's mourning the loss of his reputation. And what's at the heart of that is all of these friends are saying, you're getting what you deserve. You're doing this because you've got some kind of secret sin. So fess up, Job. And so in those chapters, Job works his way through his life. Now, he's not saying that he's never sinned. But we read both at the beginning and end of the book that he's blameless. In other words, how does a person become blameless? We confess our sin to the only one who can deal with that sin. And that's who Job is. And so he knows he doesn't have some secret sin. He knows that his life actually does match up with what he says he believes. And so therefore, it kind of leaves the question over. So why is he suffering And then we get uh, four chapters of God speaking in the whirlwind. And what we might expect to hear is that when God finally speaks up, he's going to like set all of Job and his friends straight about what he's doing in the world and answer their questions about why Job has suffered. But what's fascinating is that is not what God does at all. You know, he he shows up in the whirlwind and he starts asking questions. He starts with like, where were you when I set the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know how to do it, you know? Where were you when I filled up the storehouses with snow? And so what is he doing? God is showing, he's revealing himself as creator. And what does that do to Job and his friends? What does it do for us? We say, God is the creator and I am the created. He can do anything with me he wants to do. And then he continues talking. He says, do you think you have an arm of justice? You think you could be God in this world better than I am God? And so he challenges He challenges that. And then he talks about Leviathan, which is this picture of evil in the world. And he says, you know, basically, you guys are scared of this Leviathan creature? Well, let me tell you, like I... I take Leviathan on a leash. I'm the one who made Leviathan. So his big answer is his own sovereignty, that he is in charge over all of these things. And then Job's response is amazing in chapter 40 and 42. He says, I put my hand over my mouth. He's basically saying, you know, I've been talking about things that are far too wonderful to know. And basically his answer, what he comes to is a place of submission to the suffering and to the God 
that doesn't get explained to him. And I think that's incredibly instructive for us. You know, when, when God speaks in the world, when, um, you know, he's not necessarily going to explain himself to us. But when we see who he is and we hear who he is, hopefully it brings us to a place of submission. And we, once we see who God is, we, think, we, we say to ourselves, because of I can now see who God is, I, can re- I realize I can trust what God gives in my life, even if I don't understand it. I imagine that people who are listening, they're suffering. And, and maybe, and, and, and I don't know about you, but I know that there have been times when I've s- suffered and I see clearly and I run towards God. There have been times when I've suffered and it's like a fog. And, and, and I want to see, I, and maybe even I, I, I struggle with even doubt, Lord, where are you? Which is okay to ask, um, but the Lord and his kindness, he draws near. But for the person right now who's suffering, who, who longs to, to see the Lord in it, um, who, who struggles to understand his goodness and sovereignty in it, would you pray for them? Pray for their heart, pray for um, whatever comes to mind, and, and we'll join you in that prayer. Lord, we live in a world that is marked by so much pain. And I know there may be some listening who they can barely see past their pain right now. And their greatest desire is to come to some clarity in it. And maybe even more than that, to come to a place of rest and trust that they could trust you in the midst of it even if they don't understand it. And so while we thank you for the wisdom you have given us in the book of Job, this insight into the world and how you work, most of all, we thank you for the perfect, innocent sufferer. That wasn't Job. That was Jesus. Thank you that Jesus, he's not... He doesn't just speak from heaven, spouting off answers. No, he entered into the suffering of this world. Thank you that we serve a Savior who felt all of the blows, who experienced all of the agonies of life in this world. So we have a great high priest who's been tempted in every way and one who can uh, relate to our suffering. Thank you for giving us a Savior who suffered. It helps us. It it helps us to trust him. And so we want to do what Hebrews 12 tells us to do, which is to consider him who suffered. And so, Lord, give us the faith to turn our eyes toward Jesus and help us as we think it through that it would actually begin to change how we feel and how we respond to God in the midst of our suffering, that the suffering of Jesus would strengthen us for enduring the suffering that God allows into our own lives. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful. 